Open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, or if you got the uh, church app. Uh, matter of fact, uh, we put in the new feature that I told you that you'd be able to uh, just go to the sermon outline, and there'll be a blue place there with a scripture. You can just touch that and go to the Bible, and it'll uh, pop up that scripture for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. And if you do uh, use the sermon notes and touch that blue part with the uh, scripture on there, if you have any trouble with it, let us know. We want to kind of make sure that's functioning properly. The, uh, just out of curiosity this morning, how many of you have had a hunger for donuts this morning? Would you raise your hand? All right. Now, some of you are wondering, why did he ask that? You didn't even look at your bulletin this morning. It's got donuts all over it. And uh, I've enjoyed a few comments this morning that I've received from people. As I, beginning this morning, this series on too great a temptation, we're going to look in the Bible about uh, different areas of temptation and how God gives us in His Word how that we can overcome those type things. And this morning, I want to focus on escaping common temptations. And uh, we put a common temptation on the bulletin this morning, and that was those donuts. And uh, if some of you are like me and some of you raised your hand, just that visual picture of a donut gives you that craving. My favorite donut is chocolate-covered cream-filled donuts. So anybody that wants to uh, pass one of those along to me, I will be glad to eat it and uh, indulge upon it. But uh, someone told me this morning they were bringing out that uh, picture and said, Oh, look, air donuts. And they started smelling of it. They said, you should have put some scents of donuts on there. Now, that was somebody that was showing that they really had the craving for donuts. Not only did they see it, but they wanted to smell it on the paper. And whether it's the visual sense or the smelling sense or the feeling sense, temptations come in our life. And if I were to ask the question this morning, how many of you have ever been tempted by something, then every hand would have to go up, if you were being honest, because we all experience temptations in our life. Everybody has been tempted in some way, in some area. Some it might be donuts. Some it might be Little Debbie's. Some it might be some type of uh, particular sports equipment. But we all have temptations in our life, and so we all are drawn towards those. And temptations are not wrong within themselves. It's not wrong to feel a temptation. Temptation, because the Bible even tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, that the Lord, Jesus Christ, was tempted just as we are. That's a little bit hard for us sometimes to comprehend. Wait a minute, you mean that, and your mind starts thinking about your own personal temptations that you have weakness in, and you think, well, did the Lord feel that temptation? I don't know if that seems right. But the Bible goes on to say in that verse, it says he was tempted just as we are, which means he felt that initial temptation, he sensed it, but it says without sin, which means that the Lord sensed those temptations. I don't know if they had any form of donuts back then. I kind of doubt it. They might have had something, but he, he might have smelt something and had the temptation for it, but he didn't give in to the sin. Now, Eating a donut may not be a sin, but to overindulge in donuts becomes a sin. Lots of things in life by themselves are not a sin within itself, but when we take it out of the context that it was designed for, or we take it to too great of extreme, that's when it becomes a sin in our life. And so when we look at the Bible, we know that the Lord was tempted. He experienced those temptations, and that's going to be natural to you and I as well. But giving in to those temptations to the point that they extend to sin, that's when it becomes a problem for us. And so since 
The Bible tells us in these scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it tells us that temptations are common and they're common to everyone. Everyone has experienced temptations. The thing we want to get to the point is that we're like Jesus. We experience temptations, but we do not sin. And so we want to be come to the point of like Jesus. And you know, as I've uh, dealt with people over the years and things that have become problems in their life, I have come to realize that most of our problems in our life could have been avoided if we had just not given in to some temptation and let it become a sin in our life. That's worth repeating. Most problems in life could have been avoided if we had just not taken the temptations into our life and carried it to the point of sin. So let's look at the Bible this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 1 through 13. Again, if you've got the Bible app, you should be able to just press that blue scripture reading there and it'll pop open for you. But here's what the Bible tells us, and I'm reading this out of the uh, New King James translation. It says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So it's talking about the children of Israel as they had been led by Moses out of Egypt and was leading them to the promised land. And he said, they all went together. They were all experiencing the same things. That's what it's basically telling us. Now, the apostle Paul was kind of doing this to set the tone from a spiritual standpoint as they look back to the children of Israel, that they all experienced the same things. And just like they experienced things in that day, they're common to us today. Now, they may be in a little bit different form, a little different fashion, but when it comes to temptations, we all have all experienced temptations in some way. And just like the children of Israel did. Now the Bible goes on in verse 3 says, They all ate the same spiritual food. They all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. And verse 5 says, but, but, but with most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. The Bible is saying that the children of Israel, they all experienced the same things. They all went through the different temptations. They all experienced that same journey. But the Bible tells us that God wasn't pleased with most of them. And because of that, in their 40 years in the wilderness, most of them died in the wilderness. Not all of them, but most of them did. Now, verse 6 says, now these things became our examples. Paul's saying, the reason I was bringing you to this Reality about them, and I wanted to bring them up, is they are an example for you and I to learn from. So he goes on, verse 6, he said, Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not. So this is a learning lesson of what not to do. You know, there are some times in life that you can follow the example of some people and it teaches you what to do. They're a good person, they're a good Christian, they're living a good life, they're trying to do what would please God and live according to God's word. And so to follow their example is leading you to do the right things. But Paul is saying here in verse 6, he said, their example is in God's word so that we would not do what they did. And here's what he goes on to say, to the intent that we should not Lust after evil things as they also lusted, and do not become idolaters as that were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell, which means 23,000 died in one day. Verse 9 goes on to say, 
nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition or our instruction or for us to learn from upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Verse 12 says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Now let me pause there for just a moment. That's a very powerful verse in verse 12 that you can kind of just skim over and keep on moving on to the next thing. But that verse is saying, if you think that you're not going to fall into temptation, be careful, you'll be the next one to fall. If you think that you're too strong or too good to give in to any particular area, watch out. You could be next. So the Bible is saying here in that verse 12, all this is for all of our good. So no matter whether you're in the midst of a temptation that has led to sin in your life right now where you are, or whether you feel like, hey, I'm doing pretty good. I'm reading God's word. I'm spending time in prayer. I'm, I'm pretty solid right now as a Christian. So this don't really apply to me. I think I'll take a nap right now, preacher, while you preach. While you're napping, the devil's planning how he's going to get you. Idle hands is the devil's workshop, and idle minds is as well. So the Bible says everybody needs to take heed, or you may fall into the sin and temptation yourself. Now, verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. The expression there is, what has happened in the past continues to happen. Some of the same temptations and things that the children of Israel fell into sin are the same things that we fall in today. Just remember, they come in a little bit different packages sometimes, a little bit different form, but they're basically all in the same category. So it's saying it's been common. There's the same common sins and there's the same common way that they touch our lives today. Now it says they're common to man, but God is faithful. To that, all God's people said, amen. God is faithful. Even though the same temptations have been there and the same drawing into sin has been there, God has always been there too. There's no temptation that me or you, all of us have been tempted. I've shared before that there was a uh, person, as a matter of fact, they shared themselves to the church one time that the devil, and they acknowledged the devil had got this in their mind that I thought I had never sinned or I never did sin. And then when they told me that, I started laughing. And... Uh, I said, you must not be listening to all my sermons because I tell about some of my sins sometimes. So all of us, the pastor knows that he's sinned. I know that there's temptations that come into my life, but I want to overcome those day by day. And God is always faithful to give us a way of escape. Matter of fact, it goes on to say, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So the Bible is saying that God is always faithful and whenever temptation comes in your life, he is there with you. His spirit, his presence, his word, if you've been reading God's word, it's there with you. And it says that he will make a way of escape, a way to get through this temptation, to endure through it, to get out of it, so that you will be able to endure and bear through it without the sin and the guilt and the shame coming on your life. So God is saying that temptations are always going to be there, but praise God, He is always there as well. You see, it makes no difference how dark a temptation you may fall into and go in towards sin. God is there with you too. 
No matter the darkness of it, no matter the setting of it, God is there too. If you're a child of God, he is with you in the midst of that and is making a way for you to make it through it and escape from it. Now, there's three, the Bible, you know, it says common. I said I want to kind of focus on escaping common temptations. And I want us to kind of look at some things about that are common relating to temptations. The first thing I want you to recognize is that common, ta- common temptations are the same today as they were to the children of Israel as they wandered in the wilderness. And matter of fact, the Apostle Paul in those verses 6 through 10 begins to identify some of the common things that they experience, that we experience today as well. Temptations that came that they fell into sin. Now, the Bible tells us in 1 John 2, in verses 15 through 17, that most of the things of the world, the temptations, fall into three categories. I want you to listen very carefully. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, some things kind of fold into a couple of those categories, but basically the Bible is telling us that the world wants to draw us in or Satan wants to pull us into temptation, into sin by one of those three categories, causing us to lust in our flesh, which is the craving of the physical body for some type of sense of pleasure, or the lust of the eyes where we visually see something and we just got to have it. Probably some of you are going to eat a donut today somehow, some way, because of that bulletin that was in there. And I apologize for that if you shouldn't eat that. The lust of the eyes, it's where it's craving or drawing us into something that we see it, and there's that sensation, i got to have it. And then there's the pride of life, and that is something about ourself, how we feel about ourselves. And the Bible's letting us know in 1 John chapter 2 that most every sin or every temptation that will lead to sin falls into one of those three categories. And I said the Apostle Paul gave us some examples about the children of Israel to let us know it's same then as it is today. Now, I said that that scripture in 1 John tells us first about the lust of the flesh. And that is where our body craves and has a sense of, I need some type of physical pleasure. And the Apostle Paul identified it here in the scripture about the children of Israel gave in to sexual immorality. There was that sense within their bodies that they wanted to fulfill some type of physical pleasure. And so they began to be drawn into that. You remember when Moses was up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments? This was a high spiritual point, wasn't it? Not just because it was on the mountain. This was a high spiritual point. Ten Commandments are still carried on today. They're battled over. Even I heard on the radio recently where they were talking about where the Ten Commandments can be and where they can't be. It is something that's been a high spiritual moment and Satan has been fighting it for years. And while Moses was experiencing that, sexual immorality was going on because people said, he's not coming down. So let's party. Let's eat, drink, and be merry. And that always leads to sexual immorality. And so the Bible is letting us know that the lust of the flesh, guess what? Have y'all realized That same sin, that same temptation that was there to the children of Israel, I know some of you are going to get caught off guard. It's still here today. The same temptation. That's what the Bible is letting us know, that these same things are coming on today just like they were. They might have a little different form, a little different shape, a little different appearance, but it's the same thing, sexual immorality. And sex within itself is not wrong when it's, done in the context of what God designed it, and that is for a physical pleasure between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman. 
To distort that in any way is sexual immorality. To take it outside of marriage is to distort it. To take it outside of the man, the husband and wife relationship is distorted. And so the lust of the flesh is when you've got to have that thing, that, se- that sexual pleasure to fulfill you. Now, the lust of the flesh also broadens, just like there's that sense of certain sweets, whether it's donuts or Little Debbie's or whatever it may be, and when you have that sense of, I just got to have that inside of me. It's a pleasure. And you taste it with your taste buds, and you go, wow. Joyce and I, at one time when we were trying to cut out on some things, we kind of carried this little slogan, and that is to uh, savor the flavor. And that's when we didn't want to eat too much of something to take it from, from being just good to being a sin. We'd just take a little bit of it and just savor all the flavor we could out of it. But I struggle with that. You give me a little flavor and I got to have more, especially when it comes to sweets and chocolate. I mean, it, Joyce, she eats little bites. I eat big bites. She'll say, you want to taste this? Maybe it's a piece of chocolate. And I, she gives me a little taste of it. And I'm going, oh, let me have a bite. That whole thing's going to be gone. We crave that indulgence of extra. And so it can be certain foods. It can be certain sweets. But whatever it is, it also can, that uh, lust of the flesh can, for some people, even carry on to a lust for drugs and alcohol. It's all things that will make you feel a sense of, I got to get high on that. And so that flesh has to have it. And so that's a common temptation. It's been around for a while, lust of the flesh. There's also the lust of the eye. And that is when you see something and you think, I just got to have that. Now, as I mentioned, sexuality can do that uh, kind of a crossover in the lust of the eyes to the lust of the flesh. Maybe you start staring at somebody and you stare too long and it starts becoming a lust of the flesh from the lust of the eyes. Maybe you've been looking at pornography and that's leading to the lust of the flesh. But as many people, it starts with the lust of the eyes where you see something and you got to have it. But that also carries into people struggle in the area of other possessions, whether it be a car or a house or a new gun or an expensive pocketbook. And the temptation is there. Now, those things are not wrong to have, but when it exceeds our limits, eating too much, having too expensive of something we can't afford, getting more things than we really need in our life, those things is where the lust of the eyes carries it to a limit to where it goes beyond temptation to it becomes a sin. And then there's the pride of life. The pride of life is how we feel about ourselves, and that can relate to the desire that you want everybody to think highly about you, think you're attractive, think you're successful, think that you are popular and that everybody likes you and that you've got everything going on. That pride of life can relate into that. It also, the pride of life can be a point that the Bible talks about in here where the children of Israel, it says that they tempted God and they complained The pride of life is, I deserve better than this. And the pride of life becomes a temptation that leads to sin. And so common temptations. We can look at the children of Israel and we can go back a couple of thousand years ago, a few thousand years ago. And we can see that the same things that they were dealing with, we deal with today, don't we? Sexual immorality, a desire for things, griping and complaining. Those temptations come into our life. And remember, the temptation itself is not what is wrong. It's when we take it beyond its boundaries, when we take it outside of God's plan, when we take it in excess to where it gets us in trouble. Matter of fact, 
The next thing that I think that the Bible is revealing to us is not only the common temptations, but the common outcomes. Just like the children of Israel, there was a, things that happened to them when they gave in to temptations. And guess what? It happens to us as well. We, somewhere in our minds, even though we can read it in the Bible and see what happened to them, we don't think it's going to happen to us, do we? But the same common outcomes are the same to you and I today. The Bible tells us that the children of Israel, that death and destruction came, and in one day, 23,000 of them died. Now, as I look at what the Bible is telling us from these scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I see that there's common outcomes for us today. One of the common outcomes is that we feel miserable about ourselves. Let me just ask this question. Is there anybody in here that's ever given in to a temptation, and after you gave it in, you said to yourself, why did I do that? And you just felt bad about yourself. Is there anybody like me that has done that? Most of us have, haven't we? One of the outcomes when we give in to temptations, even though they're common temptations, we start feeling miserable about, about ourselves. We regret what we have done to ourselves. We regret how that we feel at that particular moment. I don't know how many times that I have, whether it's sweets or something else, and it's just tasting good, and I just, the next thing I, you know, I'm eating, 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 and then I feel like I'm about to explode. And I go, why in the world did I do that? I'm going to have to run 10 miles to burn off these calories I just ate. And so I feel miserable about what I've just done, and I feel miserable about what it's going to take to try to get out of this mess that I've done. We bring the feelings of misery upon ourselves when we give in to those common temptations. That's one of the common outcomes. Also, destruction. The Bible tells us that destruction came to the children of Israel. And I don't know how many people that I have counseled over the years of being a pastor where destruction came to their marriages and to their families because they gave in to a temptation that led to a sin and it affected other people. You see, sometimes we think, it's me, it's my body, it's my choice, and we get all focused on us, and then after we have gone from temptation to sin, then we realize, you know what? <laughs> it's going to affect more than just me. One of the outcomes is destruction that has come to families and the marriages, all because we took an action that took it too far. The Bible tells us that for the children of Israel, there was not only destruction, but there was death, and sometimes death prematurely has come to people's lives because they gave into a temptation and it affected their body and it affected their relationship with God. Now, there have been people and that people that have been on their deathbeds that have actually said, I believe that because I gave in and I committed this sin, my life has come to an end prematurely. Not a decision I made, but something they have said themselves. That they made a decision that affected their body, it affected their relationship with God, and they felt like that they died or were dying prematurely. I've known of people that uh, have got consumed with that lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes for things towards drugs and alcohol, and they overdosed, and it took their life prematurely. And so when I look at the children of Israel, and it talks about death, destruction, and misery coming to them, the same outcome is for us today. Now, I say those things about common temptations and common outcomes because I want us to all get, and I believe this is where God wants us to be, to be like Jesus, and that is take the way of escape. 
There are common ways of escaping temptations. And I believe that's where God wants to bring us to this morning. And if you've been following with me through the notes here, I want you to take a close look at this common ways to escape. You know, the problem with the children of Israel was that they were an example because they gave in to temptations and they committed sin, but they didn't take the way of escape. And yet we got the example of Jesus who says he was tempted just like we are. He may have saw somebody. You know, they've tried to distort things about Jesus with movies and stuff over the years. But we know the Bible tells us he may have been tempted, but he didn't give in to it. He may have looked at a woman and, and a thought crossed his mind. She's very attractive, but he didn't give in to the temptation. He may have been tempted like the devil did to him. And he experienced the feeling of, if I just call on the angels to come to my rescue, I can prove my point. But he didn't give in to the temptation. Jesus experienced these things. He failed them at the moment, but he didn't give in to them. What are some of the ways that we can escape temptation? I want you to listen to this very carefully this morning. The first one is learn from the examples of others and from the examples of God's Word. One of the greatest ways that you can find a way of escape is learn from the examples of others. When you find somebody that knows how to escape from temptation, learn from them. But you can also learn from people who have fell into temptation. Learn what the outcome has become for their life. Learn how it affected them and the damage that it did. And don't fall into the trap and think, it won't happen to me. Because it will. Anytime we think it's not going to happen to me, it happens to me. So learn from the example of others where they've had mistakes or where they've done well and don't fall down to that same path. Learn from God's word of what, you know, it may sound a little strange, but if you, I want you to listen very carefully. If you're listening, say amen. If you have a temptation, a weakness in your life that you struggle with that can lead to sin, here's what I would encourage you to do. Read everything that you can find in God's word about that temptation, about that sin. And the reason I say that is the more that you read about it in God's Word, the more you'll learn about the effects of it, and you'll also learn how to escape from it. So if you've got a struggle with sexual immorality, read everything you can find in God's Word about sexual immorality and the things that people who have given in to it and what happened to them. Read about what the Bible says about what is sexual immorality and what isn't sexual immorality. If you have a struggle with overindulgence in food, read about what the Bible talks about eating and about what is good for you and what things happen, all these things you can find. Dive into it because the more that you learn about it, the more you'll find what the way of escape is. And what I've learned is the more that you learn, the more you know about how to plan a way of escape. I don't want you to raise your hand, but I want you to think about this for just a moment. If your temptation weakness is to overindulge in food, what's your plan of escape when you fall into that temptation? If your temptation is towards sexual immorality and having a relationship with somebody that's not your spouse, what's your way of escape for that? If your temptation is to buy the, the nice, hottest, new vehicle that comes out on the market, then when it comes out, what's your way of escape? Find your way of escape. Learn. Learn from the example of others. Learn from God's Word. Lean. Lean on the Lord to help. If you're thinking that you will be strong enough to make it through any temptation, don't be fooled by that. We used to have a uh, governor that uh, had a temptation towards chocolates. 
And he, he didn't like being defeated by chocolates. And so he would go, every, every, every once in a while, he would go to the chocolate store and walk in, look at it, smell of it, and walk out just to prove to himself he could overcome the temptation. I do not recommend that. So if you struggle with alcohol, don't go to the beer joint and check out what all they got there. I don't think that's a good example. Zell Miller might have been able to do it, but don't do it yourself. If you have a temptation towards sexual immorality, don't watch porn movies or magazines. It's going to suck you in. So I don't think his example is a good example. Instead, I would say, when you know there's a temptation coming your way, lean on the Lord, beg for his strength and his guidance in your life. And then the last thing I would tell you when the common way of escape is leave, leave any situation that can become a temptation to you. If there's a way that, or a setting or a scene that can come a temptation to you, then leave it. If you have a struggle with alcohol and a beer commercial comes on, skip the commercial and go to something else. Come back to your show later after it's had time to go off. But leave whatever that situation is. Put safeguards around your life so that you don't stay in those temptations because I guarantee you, all the devil wants to do, remember I said, I don't know if I said this a while ago. If I didn't, I'll say it now. The eyes are the window to the heart. And so if you look upon something long enough, it's going to get in your heart. And when it gets in your heart, your body's going to take action. So leave. Leave any setting or scene or thing that will put temptation in your life. I love the uh, movie uh, Fireproof and how that Caleb, when he realized, you know what? This computer is my way to get into this temptation it's luring me into it, so he took it outside, and he beat it up with his uh, ball bat. And it's hilarious how that his neighbor's over there watching him, just staring at him. Leave whatever situation may lead you into. And you know, as I look at all these ways, I believe there's one central thing that I could say, and that is that when temptation comes your way, go to the Lord as fast as you can instead of going towards the sin. There's a, you know, hawks are something that we can learn a lesson from. Hawks are a bird of prey, and they prey on other birds, and they sometimes get into things they shouldn't get into. And hawks are pretty, a pretty powerful bird. But there's another bird that is really more effective at fighting than the hawk is. It's a king bird. We don't know a lot about king birds, but... In reading about king birds by people who have studied them, that hawks sometimes even will get into a king bird's nest. And if a king bird sees that happen, they've been known to attack a hawk. And when they attack the hawk, what they'll do, usually do is come in on it from behind, put its talons in it, and begin to peck at its head. Now, the hawk is not able to fight off the king bird. But the hawk, if it can break loose from that king bird, what a hawk will do is fly as high as it can, as quick as it can, because the king bird cannot reach the heights that the hawk can. And I thought, you know what? We can learn a very valuable lesson from hawks. When the devil comes in to attack us and to tempt us, we just need to start soaring higher and get too high that he can't reach. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning. And Lord, we thank you, God, for your precious word. And God, we thank you for your precious example that yes, all of us are going to fall into, two, tempta into temptations. It's been common to man. 
Everybody has felt these temptations, and it's the same type of temptations. Maybe a little bit different form, a little bit different package, but common temptations are common to us and always have been and always will be until you return. And Lord, the outcome is pretty common too. It's going to lead to death, destruction, feeling miserable about ourselves when we give in to those temptations. And so, Lord, I believe that what we got to learn is how to escape those common temptations. Learn from others. Learn from your word. Lean on you when those temptations come. And leave any setting that will be a temptation to us. Don't fool ourselves by just hanging around and thinking, I can handle this. Because that's where the devil wants us to be. So, Lord, I don't know. I know my own temptations, my own weaknesses. I know the areas that I have fallen. And, Lord, I know I don't want to uh, continue to fail. I want to have victory. And we'll live faithful for you. And, Lord, just as the hawk doesn't try to overpower the kingbird, but it just soars higher till it escapes from that kingbird, Lord, I believe that's the greatest way we can escape the temptations of Satan when he brings them into our life, and that is to soar higher with you, to reach greater heights, a closer relationship with you, a closer walk with you, spending more time in your word and spending more time with you. And, Lord, I am just totally convinced we cannot spend that quality time with you and quality time in your word day after day and continue to allow sin to get a grip in our life. So, God, just help us to soar higher reach greater heights. And Lord, remember that all of us have a temptation that's too great for us, but we can't escape because you make a way of escape. And it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.